Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play. Today we're going to have a Coast View session with my old friend George Freeland, who's the executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. His visit actually comes at a really good time, actually, as we begin to think about the economic impact of the coronavirus. We're going to turn to George here in just a second. But I'm going to depart a bit from my normal approach and give you an update on the coronavirus situation here in coastal Mississippi. And starting today, I'm going to start a process to better understand what the prolonged closures might mean to all of us. What's the economic impact going to be? What's the impact on jobs? What's the impact on housing? What about our health care system? What's the impact going to be on the schools? What about nonprofit community? You can only imagine what the possibilities might be there. And of course, how are our leaders doing at all, all levels? And what help do they need? Really, the list goes on and on. We've got to immediately start the process to better understand what we must do to recover so, we can, so that we know what to do when we get on the other side of all this. For those of you who don't know me, I was publisher of the Sun-Herald when Hurricane Katrina hit, and I worked with Governor Haley Barber to uh, after Katrina to form the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal. I was a vice chairman of the commission as it, and responsible for writing the Tourism Recovery Plan. When I went over to Alabama, I worked with Governor Bob Riley to form, and then I chaired the Coastal Recovery Commission after the, for the state of Alabama after the BP oil spill. So I've had a bit of an experience with, when it comes to dealing with um, disasters and the impact and recovery from disasters. In a way, this is sort of like um, a silent hurricane. It's hitting us. But coastal Mississippians know well what we must do. we got to prepare. We have to hunker down during the storm, and then we've got to recover. We've been here before. It's just that, we, you know, that we've got to better understand this specific storm. There's a lot to learn quickly. I'm going to start the process to get a handle on what we're dealing with as, as, as it specifically relates to coastal Mississippi. The message that we're hearing from the state and federal government folks are that we are not powerless to this virus. Uh, there's, a, there's not a vaccine, we all know that, but the single best tool we continue to hear about is social distancing. As one official said, this is, there's amazing ingenuity and creativity in the American people, but we must take all of this to heart. We must stay focused on changing our behavior and understanding what it means to social distance. Understand this, that a single person's behavior can cause a ripple effect that impacts a lot of people. This has to do with the exponential spread of the coronavirus. Let me me give you kind of an example. Let's say I go to the gym and I sneeze on a piece of equipment, and then five people come to that piece of equipment and use it, and they catch the disease. And then they go home and they catch, they, they bring it to five members of their family. So it starts with one person, and then there's five, then there's five times five, You do the math. It doesn't take long for that curve to get very steep. That's called the exponential curve. And it could be very steep if we did nothing. So the goal of social distancing is actually to flatten the curve, to slow down the exponential growth of the the disease. And keep in mind, as a key White House official said uh, yesterday, we are further behind than we think we are. That's because the symptoms are delayed from three days to two weeks. So there's, there are people out there today who may be listening to this show that don't know you have the disease and are spreading it. 
People have asked about the quarant- about why not quarantine. Well, China tried that, and there was a great story in the Washington Post that sort of kind of uh, went through the various approaches. You can have a free-for-all, which is don't do anything. Under that scenario, incidentally, just about everybody catches the disease. Then there's attempted quarantine. You try to lock over here the people who had the disease, but like I just got finished saying, it's hard to determine who has the disease. So what happens is the people who you think don't have the disease affects everybody else because when you're doing the quarantine, you're not doing social distancing, so everyone ends up with the disease. Then there's moderate social distancing and extensive social distancing. In both of those scenarios, there are scenarios where there are portions of the population who don't get any disease because you've been able to flatten the steepness of the curve by limiting the amount of social contact that people have. That's ultimately the goal. There's something that I posted on my personal Facebook page. We'll, we'll post it at the 103.1 Facebook page and also be on my professional page, Ricky Matthews at, at uh, slash Coastview. And it's a study from, or actually it's a page from the Harvard University School of Medicine called the Coronavirus uh, Resource Center. It's a really thorough read. I would really encourage you to see it. There's a lot of sites like it, but in this case, it's one of the best that I've read. I would say educate yourself. Understand that you are only as safe and only as strong as the weakest link in your family or your immediate circle of friends or coworkers or anyone else that you come in contact with. This virus is very contagious. So educate yourself to understand what you must do to keep your family safe. At that same uh, uh, webpage, there's a Q&A there that's terrific. Here's what the experts say. If you feel sick, stay home. If someone in your family is diagnosed, quarantine the entire household. Protect the most vulnerable. If you don't know who is vulnerable, you can go to that same Harvard Coronavirus Resource Center. It's got a thorough list of who's vulnerable. I would really highly recommend taking a look at that. It only takes one person in your family to be careless, and all of you could get sick. By the way, let's look at what's happening in Louisiana. 136 cases as of yesterday, three deaths. Uh, one actually uh, was confirmed yesterday, an 84-year-old who was staying at the Lambeth House, which is in a retirement home. Twelve residents at that same retirement home have the coronavirus. At our neighbors to the east... In Alabama, there were 29 confirmed cases as of yesterday. But here's the, here's the point about the numbers. Don't compare state to state. Uh, the big caution here is that the tests do not reveal the real story. The number of people infected is far greater than the reported numbers. There's an, uh, an infectious disease epidemiologist from the LSU who says, what this tells us is that we probably have many more people out there who don't have a chance to get tested or We have people who have mild symptoms who don't get tested as well. So either way, we've got a lot of people walking around who may have the disease and either don't know it or have minor minor symptoms and, and don't realize they have the disease. So here's my advice to you. Just let, like we know from her, from a hurricane uh, that is approaching, you should you should do the same amount of preparation for this virus. Don't let there be a weak link in your family. Make sure everyone is educated. But let me also say this. This too shall pass. I know you are deeply concerned about your loved ones, your job, your kids' schools. But there's a lot to think because there's a lot to think about. But we are amazing people in coastal Mississippi. We have weathered many storms, and we will weather this storm. This is a really good time to make amends with your family and friends. Reestablish connections. Reach out to the people you love. And if you feel depressed, find someone to talk to. And please know this storm will pass. And once again, people will say of us, we are amazingly resilient people here in coastal Mississippi. That's one of the many reasons this place is so special.
Um, if you know of anyone who needs to hear this message, share this video. I encourage them to tune in daily at 9. We'll, we'll continue this conversation. Now let us turn to George Freeland, my buddy, from the, who is the executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. And just say, George, good morning and welcome to the studio. Good morning, Ricky. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you here. So what do you think about all this? Well, Ricky, if, if, if part of our assignment today is to put these circumstances in an economic development context, I think we need to reflect on a, on a couple of fundamental components of successful economic development. Mm-hmm. One of those being the uh, requirement that we be forward-thinking, mm-hmm. that we look over the horizon, and that we do everything we can to affect our circumstances in a very proactive way. So as I listen to your comments this morning, it, 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 it occurs to me that there's a little irony to this. And what I mean by that is, for the here and for the now, the best thing that we can do is focused on, is focus on distancing as a preventative measure. And you're exactly right about that. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of this, what will be and what has always been our saving grace in South Mississippi is our ability to come together through cohesion. Mm-hmm. So we're going to distance now, yeah. and we should. Yeah. But on the other end, aligning our interest, mm-hmm. um, our, um, our, our, our desires as a community in both the public and the private sector forms a cohesion, and it has sustained us through adversity, through a number of natural disasters, and it's that same commitment to cohesion that will sustain us through this. I agree. And as you and I talked about before we before we started the show this morning, what's important for people to realize is that there this this virus, this storm, mm-hmm. is hitting every country and the world simultaneously. So if you think about your economic competitors all over this all over the state mm-hmm. or all over the country for that matter. You know, they haven't been through a BP oil spill. They haven't been through a Hurricane Katrina. So we're hardwired to begin to understand impact, rapidly understand impact, so we can see the difference between where we are now on the other side of this and where it is we wanted to go before this thing hit, and then how do we get back on track as quickly as possible. That's one of the reasons I'm so happy that you're with me today, because we've, we've got a chance to help people understand that in Jackson County, and this is true of the other economic development agencies as well, but especially in Jackson County, because your tenure there and because of who is there, Ingalls and Chevron and all these supporting industries and this incredible focus on the future and the successes that you've had. You've laid the foundation so that we're in a really good position to tackle the adversity that we may face on the other side of this. And I want people to have confidence in not only you, you as a leader, but, but your organization. And we'll come back to that after this break. This is George Freeland, the executive director, uh, head of Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, and we'll be back after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We've got George Freeland here, who's the executive director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. Is someone who I've known for a very long time. He's been involved in economic development in Jackson County. 
which as I've described many times before, it's one of the bookends. You've got Chevron and Ingalls and all the supporting industries on one side, and you've got Stennis and everything that's involved with that on the other side, and then Oh, oh my goodness at the things that go on in between. And the coronavirus, frankly, is going to, is going to threaten, at least challenge a lot of these, a lot of these economic bases that we appreciate. But as I said at the beginning, we'll get, we'll get through it and we'll, you know, we've done this before and we'll do it again and we'll, we'll rise above it all and, um, and this too shall pass. I think it's wonderful that your organization, George, though, operates from a position of strength. But why don't we why don't we do this before we get into specifics of your organization? I want to hear a lot about you, and we should also tell people what your organization is. So, what is the foundation? So, the Economic Development Foundation is a it's a, a public private partnership. It's a public private development corporation that is uh, made up of uh, through its governance structure representation from our county board of supervisors our Port Authority, our Port Commission, uh, all four of our municipalities, and then representatives from the corporate sector, the corporate community at large. So the intention is is to create that public-private level of cohesion in a way that we represent the collective economic development interest of an entire community. And we have the, 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 the resources of the private sector, but again, we're able to base our program of work and our outcomes on economic development benefits that uh, are to the benefit of the entire community. So you're focused on lots of things like building foundations of success for businesses that are here already, businesses that might come here. That might involve you know land acquisition to policy in Washington and everything in between. Ricky, it, it runs, runs the gamut yeah. from more traditional components of economic development, as you put it, that being site development, uh, infrastructure, preparation, uh, permitting, uh, recruitment. Uh, incentives uh, and good public policies that support the expansion of existing businesses and the attraction of new investment. It runs the gamut. Yes. And what kind? Just get just for the listeners can understand even better. What what what's an example of businesses that are involved in the foundation? Well, through our governance structure, uh, Chevron is represented by its general refinery manager. Uh, Brian Kuchis, the president of Huntington Ingalls, is represented to the board. A number of our bank presidents are represented to the board or on the board, and so they again represent the broader business concerns uh, and interest in the community. I told you I had a long, fruitful, and you know this already, conversation with Jerry St. Pay. I actually referred to him as a living legend. Conversation was incredible, and I read his book. And we had one, wrote a wonderful book about his life. Um, you know, coming coming up to the conversation that he and I had, but. In that conversation, he spoke really highly of your leadership and and the work of the Jackson County uh, Economic Development Foundation. Uh, you have to be successful. I mean, you've got you've got not only you, do you have to continue to make the business environment of your current businesses solid, but you got to think about you know where's the economy going? What's new? What's the what's the requirement on the workforce these days? What are the ju- criteria for judging? whether a company is going to come here or not. There's, there's a lot yeah. to think about, isn't there? There's a lot to think about. Think about. And to our point earlier, to be successful, we have to look over that horizon. Mm-hmm. We have to contemplate what our needs and what our challenges are going to be, not, not four years down yeah. the road, mm-hmm. not in a way that we contemplate challenges and success within the typical framework of a four-year election cycle, but 10, 15, and 20 years over the horizon. Mm-hmm. And through a process like ours, we fully engage in a very direct way 
public officials and elected officials in the community to understand the importance of that uh, that time horizon. It's all about creating alignment. This very alignment and the very leadership that we will need on the other side of the coronavirus situation. And we'll come back to that in just a second. You grew up in Mobile. I did, yes. And then you went to uh, Auburn, by the way, War Eagle. War Eagle, you know, Ricky, thank my, you. My son went to Auburn. But what was it like growing up in Mobile? Well, I come from four generations of, of Mobilians. And uh, as I like to say, I think it's in my DNA uh, to have uh, figuratively and literally, I guess, driven or helped to drive as my profession the economy mm. of this region. Uh, Ricky, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, and my father were all employees at the Louisville-Nashville Railroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all drove the trains as train engineers uh, from the Cybert Yard in Mobile to the yards in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I have a great uh, economic development heritage, I'd like to think, in this community. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't cross over, cross over that main line at some point or another, and I contemplate my family's history. I bet they taught you a lot about work ethic and, you know, you know, take you know, representing the family well, and you know, determination. There's a lot there, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And I, and and, and I was never confused. There was a lot, a lot expected of me, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and my younger brother. Uh, again, given that that uh, sort of the the, uh, the 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 DNA aspect of um of, of heavy industry and of commerce uh, in our region. Yeah. Again, I, I like to think that it's uh, second nature to me. So, how did you pick Auburn? Well, Harvard being, you know, the, the Ivy League of the SEC, yeah. it was it was an easy decision to make. You know, you know, I, I thought coming through high school and um, and, uh, and when it came time to make that decision, there are a number of, of, of variables at play given the academic uh, circumstances and given the, the coursework at Auburn that led me in that direction. And as you put it, I did my undergraduate and my graduate work there as well. So when you got out of school, what happened next? When you got out of uh, Auburn, what was next? Yeah, so I actually found my way into economic development through uh, a local government management. Okay, so my master's degrees at Auburn were in economic development, community development, and in, in, in urban planning. So I thought initially that I wanted to be a, a county or a city manager, and so I did my uh, initial work in the Baldwin County area of Alabama. And through that experience, came to understand economic development from that point of view. And I was uh, in contact with uh, those that were responsible for more of the industrial recruitment uh, component of economic development. And so I found my way into economic development through that conduit. And then from there, had assignments in the North Georgia area, Tennessee, MSA, uh, and, and the Birmingham metropolitan area prior to taking this assignment, uh, what would be 19 years ago wow. this month. Yeah. Man, time flies, doesn't it, George? Yeah, it does. I love my time in Mobile, incidentally. I spent a lot, because of the oil spill, spent a lot of time down in Baldwin County and Battery and met made a lot of friends and uh, just really fell in love with that area my wife's family we either we will we'll uh, do a family reunion in orange beach one year and destin the next mm-hmm. next year this year is a destin year but just love that area yeah. i'm sure you do too huh? well I, yeah. I i do as well and, yeah. and while i don't have family in mobile mm-hmm. uh, any longer in jackson county uh, in an economic development context there um that there quite frankly are a number of, of, of key synergies with the Mobile uh, MSA. Uh, we, we have a, the same reliance on on the same labor shed mm-hmm. um, as has been noted here before. 
For many years, Huntington Ingalls or Ingalls was the largest manufacturer of Mobile County MSA residents. And there are a number of projects that have occurred in Mobile, quite frankly, with our our help mm-hmm. and, our, and our backing uh, that we're convinced over time will be to the development benefit of Jackson County and the entire Mississippi Gulf Like Coast. Airbus, for example. <laughs> like, like, like Airbus. Yeah, they and, are. The opportunities that creates for ancillary development, et cetera, is incredible, isn't it? No, no question. And, and over time, as the production rates at Berkeley Field, at Airbus, continue to increase, the more and more we are going to be positioned to benefit from supplier and ancillary type uh, d- d- development. So you landed here. When you came here, did you have any idea 19 years later you'd be sitting here with me talking to me about being here 19 years? I think about this quite often, Do you? and and the answer is probably not, mm-hmm. probably not. But but Ricky, I've been surrounded by some of the most phenomenal leaders in the Southeast uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was interviewing for the job and was considering taking uh, this assignment, a couple of days into the process, I was introduced to Jerry St. Pay, and I'm not the most intuitive guy in the room, but I'm pretty good. And I had a sense at the time that, um, that given the, the opportunity to work in around people like that, given their experience, and not just their experience, but, but, but their focused commitment to this community uh, was a place that I wanted to be. And that formula, just, it just hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And so the fact of the matter is, going back to the construct of the foundation as a comprehensive public-private partnership, um, the, the the formula has only gotten stronger mm-hmm. over time as the years have gone by. The public and the private commitment is um, is 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 stronger than it was in the in the, in the previous year. Mm-hmm. And so, being a part of this construct and a part of this formula is to the envy of most people. It's hard to profession. walk away from a strong foundation. It it's hard, even though you may have new elected officials coming in, and new CEOs coming in, new companies coming in. There are changes within companies. The basic foundation is pretty similar, and that is there's a strategic focus, and you've got relationships there where everyone's being educated over all these years about what success looks like. It's a a momentum. It is a momentum. uh, Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I think you guys are incredibly well positioned to deal with whatever you face in the aftermath of the coronavirus situation, which I'm really happy for you guys for being in that position. This is George Freeland, who's the executive uh, director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, and uh, we're just having a terrific discussion about, you know, how he, the path he took to get to the foundation. He's been there 19 years. Man, you're making me feel really old. Wow, that's amazing how long that's been. Uh, but success is, it has it has a glue attached to it sometimes, and this is certainly the case for you. We'll be back after this break to continue our conversation about the successes that you've had over the years. Back after this break. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have George Freeland with me this morning, my old friend from uh, the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. He's the executive director there, and we're just having conversation about his life and what the foundation is. And then we're going to get into some of the meat. And we can, I think a good place to start is just kind of what's the overall strategic framework of the organization? Let's start with that. 
So back to the framework, Ricky, again, uh, the, the intention is that uh, we, we, we architected or did architect a, a full, complete, public-private focus on economic development that integrates, aligns, and facilitates the entire community's economic development interests, be it through port operations, airport operations and expansion, public sector interests, municipal interests, and county interests. And, and as we, we were so often uh, apt to put it, we, we work in an environment where there is a seamless transition and relationship with our Board of Supervisors, Port Commission, Airport Authority, industrial sectors, and the elected in the public community. We focus on a shared vision and a means by which to implement um, a, a program of work that, that gets us to, to, that, to that vision. Um, we, we live and operate in a world where our Board of Supervisors are some of our most vocal advocates. And the reason is, through our construct, our elected officials aren't looking into the economic development process. They're not looking over the fence into that process. They literally sit at the table next to leaders of of industry and other appointed bodies in a way that we come up with a shared means by which to attain our goals. It, it's probably worth mentioning just for the sake of context. Now again, as we've discussed earlier, we have an obligation to look forward, mm-hmm. to look over the horizon. But for the sake of context, that formula generated in 2000, calendar year 2019, uh, the announcement of the creation of over 2,000 new manufacturing positions and the creation of over 200 million of new capital investments. Now, I could go through the, through the, through the inventory of those projects. The, some of the more important aspects of those projects are the extent to which they continue to provide for a measure of economic diversification in our community. What's an example? Just to give a couple of examples. Sure, yeah. I'd be, I'd be yeah. happy to. So a community that that uh, that uh, um, bases its, its, its development DNA on shipbuilding, both defense contracting and commercial and petrochemical, uh, is the same community uh, that was successful in, in luring the manufacturing process for sub-assemblies that go into all variants of the F-35 fighter jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same community with Northrop Grumman at its Autonomous Systems Center manufactures components for the Global Hawk high-altitude unmanned reconnaissance vehicle, as well as the low-altitude reconnaissance vehicle, the rotary wing fire scout. So so aerospace and aviation technology is now a, a key component of our economy. Even within the shipbuilding sectors, uh, VT Halter Marines award for or award of the uh, Coast Guard's polar security contract provides for a measure of diversification, particularly within that sector. Now, the important part of that is, there are a number of important things to note, is the time continuum that is required to achieve this kind of success, Ricky. Let's go to the contracts at VT Halter Marine in Bayou Kasai. VT Halter was positioned to secure, to pursue, compete for, and secure those contracts based on a number of physical improvements made to those facilities, uh, site development, utilities, and facility construction, and dredging projects that were made possible through Katrina Relief funding from 10, 15 years ago. So we're making those investments in a way that we can look over that horizon 
and focus on what the long-term equation is, is important to us. And it's critical to our success. So let's let's speak this summarize. I mean, for I mean, you're talking about a ten or fifteen year uh, amount of determination <laughs> focused sure. on a specific goal and a specific outcome. It could take that long. Oh, absolutely, it absolutely, it can. Go back to the airport projects. Go back to aerospace. I, I'm convinced that when you fast forward another fifteen years, that um, that, that that our aerospace footprint is going to look entirely different than it does now. Now, with that backdrop, uh, we also have to, to, to come to an understanding that fully realizing success requires us to fully maximize and realize the impacts of our, of our success. And, and the fact of the matter is, and some of this, a lot of this, came out in your discussions with my colleague Bill Cork mm-hmm. uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Um, aside from the fact that in our community, in Jackson County, we have a six Point six billion dollar gross domestic product, over half of that being in manufacturing. We have an assessed value of over two point two billion dollars, the highest in the state of Mississippi. But the fact of the matter is, we have to focus on a means by which and mechanisms by which we retain more of that multiplier in our community for the sake of a, a better built environment and a better quality. Of, of a built environment and development. And a lot of that requires that we couple traditional site development, good public policies that deal with incentives, recruiting, and all those things that are, that, that are fundamental to eco- economic development, that we couple that with a focus on public policies at the state or national level that are either facilitating our ability to grow and retain that multiplier or impeding our ability to grow and retain that multiplier. So you, you have, it's, there's, there's a lot of midnight oil to burn to do your job successfully. There certainly is. So you, you mentioned Bill Cork. He's the executive director and CEO of the Hancock County Port and Harbor Commission. Mm-hmm. It was a terrific conversation learning about all the bits and pieces that, that, that he has to say grace over, and they're having good successes over there. But one of the challenges he mentioned is workforce. I mean, everyone's talking about workforce. What do you have to say about workforce today and the workforce of the future? It is, it is a challenge today. And we have to have more concerted, uh, a, 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 a more focused effort on workforce development to avoid some pretty significant challenges down the road. Mm-hmm. Let me get this out right now. Our, our community college system on the Mississippi Gulf Coast absolutely sets the bar. I can't agree more. It is the most effective, efficient, focused workforce delivery mechanism that we that, that we have. And it's an unsung hero in so many so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But I'll confide in you, not confide, but I'll I'll be be the first to admit that given these successes that we're experiencing in Jackson County, and once we couple that with what is a real momentum with Ingalls shipbuilding, and let's let's go to that variable variable for just a moment. Ingalls shipbuilding by the numbers, is in the most successful place it has absolutely ever been. And the momentum within that company could very well translate into an increased, renewed requirement 
for the, for the various skill sets that go into their process. Mm-hmm. So focusing on workforce development in a way that we can bring the skill sets into the community and into the labor shed and sustain those skill sets over time is is going to be a challenge. The last place we need to be is one where we, where we can create the jobs, but there's more of a focus on on automation. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the conversation I had with, with Jim McElwain, McElwain? McInville. McInville. I, I, I told him I said that wrong even when I was sitting with him. But it was a terrific conversation because we talked about the competitive situation worldwide mm-hmm. with China and Iran and others uh, around the, the size of our shipbuilding capability mm-hmm. and the size of our force. And um, and it's pretty clear as we go forward that's still going to be a big part of the strategic initiatives for America. Mm-hmm. It, it, if you think about how Ingalls fits into all of that, we're in a really good position to succeed um, and take advantage of that moment. But then again, workforce is still going to be a big, big issue. You know, when I talked to Martha, Martha Graham about this, and it came up in my conversation with Jim and with Jerry St. Pei, you think about, um, in, the, in the old days, people used to go to community college as a way to get to the senior college, you know, mm-hmm. they would go two years. In a, but today, man, a viable, a really viable solution is to go two years and, and learn a trade. Mm-hmm. And those, those, you know, the, the programs they have are so incredibly good that people come out of those programs in really good, high-paying jobs, don't they? No question. No question. And to that point, there are some, how do I put this, Ricky, some, 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 some cultural adjustments yes. that need to be made. Yes. And we hear this quite often. A, a four-year track, a four-year trajectory is not in the best interest of so many young people. And so helping yeah. that young person, that young, young man or that young woman understand the opportunities available through uh, uh, through, through acquiring or obtaining a particular uh, a trade or skill um, is, 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 is a real opportunity in a way that they can sustain a very high quality of life. It is. And I think we've got to do a yeah. better job in communicating that into, into our high schools. That has come up time and time again in the conversations that we've been having. You know, we're lucky because the community college system in Mississippi is one of the strongest, if not mm-hmm. the strongest, in the entire United States. And then you think about Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and how it fits into that. I mean, it's even, I mean, it's maybe one of the top, and it has been identified as one of the top in the country year after year. We are really lucky. And then yes. you think about the collaboration with Ingalls and your, yeah. your organization and the opportunities to really continue to step that up. And I think, you know, as people think about how to recalibrate their careers, they may face those moments in the, in the future. Um, you know, this is a real viable opportunity for them to go take a look at and see if this is what they want to do. Lots of different trades they can Great. look into. So we'll be back with George Freeland after this break. He's the executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. See you after the break. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have George Freeland, the executive director for, for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation with us. And we are laying a terrific foundation for what his foundation is doing, which I think is a, you're operating from a position of strength and you have for a number of years. Uh, one of the things we were talking about offline, though, was about the need for diversification. People knew of Jackson County as sort of a shipbuilding community for so many years. And you guys have really been fo- focused on diversifying the economy so that you're not, 
you're not overweighted in just one area. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, you know, again, um, as you put it, um, the, the industrial sector is clearly our strength. And, and our economic development heritage uh, is very, one, very much one focused on petrochemical and shipbuilding, both defense contracting and commercial. But again, diversifying that economic base in a, in a way that it builds long-term resiliency and sustainability has to be a fundamental focus of an organization like ours. So I used, I spoke to, to aerospace, and that's that 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 that's a good example, mm-hmm. Ricky. Yes, uh, th- th- mm-hmm. this is a community uh, 18, 19 years ago that uh, wasn't even contemplating uh, a move into those arenas, and now here we are in a way that we are clearly identified. We have a an identifiable image within the aerospace arena. If you speak to officials within Northrop Grumman. Uh, they routinely refer to the Moss Point facility. Our workforce, our economic development policies, and the extent to which the public is willing to lean in and enter into public-private transactions uh, is one that has helped us build a real a real reputation, if you will. Now within the shipbuilding sector itself, new product lines new, and new classes of ships, the Polar Security Cutter being just one example of mm-hmm. that is important as well, but also to the supplier activity. And isn't that a fundamental component of economic development? You want you want the OEMs, but you also want those tier one, the uh, tier one and the tier twos in the community, correct? In 2019, we were able to to facilitate and incentivize uh, the expansion of Jamestown Metal, a joiner that does work for both Huntington Ingalls and VTHM, VT Halter Marine, uh, they're a joiner. And so incentivizing that growth and that development of our Tier 1s and our Tier 2 is a primary focus of ours. To the energy sector, um, as you're, you're well aware, some years ago we were uh, successful in citing uh, Gulf LNG's LNG import terminal, which came at roughly a $1.2, $1.3 billion capital investment. We remain cautiously optimistic that we will be able to work with Kinder Morgan in a way that they eventually cite a liquefaction or an export terminal at the sake of raising expectations could come with a price tag at close to six to seven billion dollars so, of new capital expenditure. So you've had a lot of success with that and another area you've had success with is in aligning policies from the federal government all the way down to the local level to, to say about the effort underway to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It's, it's a build-up proposition. I mean, good public policies that affect for instance, property tax abatements. And that's just one example. So our community through our Board of Supervisors has adopted a property tax abatement policy that makes sure with variables plugged in that it's a good business decision for the community and it's a good decision for those that would be making an investment in our community. That's one example at the local level. But building on that, again, and focusing on measures that will help us retain more of that economic success and that economic development multiplier at the state and particularly the federal level is key to what we're doing. Uh, Mary Martha Henson, who spent 10 years in Congress, just came on as our deputy director about a year and a half ago. And so Mm -hmm. with her skill set and her talents in place, we're working with uh, our allies here along the coast through the state of Mississippi, and quite frankly, working with organizations similar to ours throughout the Southeast to affect national policy, policies that are impeding our ability to, to plan for, to prepare, and to undertake sustainable development of real property, new real properties that position us to attract 
new investment and continued diversification into our community. Well, she, she worked for for Thad Cochran, um, you know, at a time when he was the man when it came to understanding the flow of money and policy and you name it. What a great position for her to be in to be able to impact in a, not only the federal government situation as it relates to policy, but help to align it locally. I'm glad to hear you've got somebody like that on your staff. Absolutely. And again, these are things that interest us. These are issues that have got to be resolved, be it, again, sustainable preparation of properties, or, Ricky, be it back to our need to retain that economic multiplier. Too much of that multiplier goes into Louisiana or Alabama in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So understanding what's really imp- what that, that that overall equation looks like is important and as a part of that equation when it comes to base flood and the corresponding insurance rates the fact of the matter is it's more cost efficient it is less expensive to build and or develop a, 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 a site of home in mobile than it is in eastern jackson yeah we County. still have to we still have to wrestle with that we're, we're starting to we're coming to the end of our conversation together but i want to kind of bring it back to where we started one of the important things for us to realize is that as we face the coronavirus and whatever whatever the outcome of closures will be, whatever that is, we're so early in the process, we really don't know yet. One thing is for sure, by operating from a position of strength going into the coronavirus and having public and private sector leaders aligned, we're in a much better position to assess where we are at, that, at that moment when we start to get on the other side of it. And we're in a heck of a lot better position when we sort of already know what the future is going to be. We can do a quick assessment of that gap and then start the efforts to close the gap as quickly as possible. So we save jobs, create new jobs, and keep the, keep the community feeling positive and keep workers here. We need workers Correct. to stay here. So anyway, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ricky. I've enjoyed it. And congratulations on your 19 years. I'm amazed by that. Thank you. Okay, so uh, thank you for joining us here at Coast View, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.